What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Rock the Podcast. This is Money, your friendly, body rolling bad bitch, <laughs> expressive shoulder bad bitch. Oh, God. Yeah. My name is Nikita, and this week I am your friendly, I think I'm just your friendly neighborhood late ho. Accurate. Okay. Accurate. All right, thanks. All right. Love your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your glow from a distance. Your vibe inside my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every time darkest night brightest light I'm loving your soul They hate you, replace you, taint you But know that you go Worldwide from every continent I just want you jig a little bit Move them hips, feel that bliss Hug your sis, make a fist Don't resist your temptation You amazing, no limitation My favorite in this matrix We move by your vibration And that's love I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love I hope you hear that on the daily Cause baby you love I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love, I love you. you love, hey. I hope you hear that on the daily. Okay, so uh, I'm going to start us off with where you can find us. Um, you can hit us up at the Gmail, at QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at QueerWalkPod on both of those platforms. Be sure to use the hashtag QueerWalkPod. Queer W-O-C We're on Facebook Pretty much every platform we're on But we're on Facebook at Queer Walk the Podcast And you can follow us where it all started On the Tumblr page At QueerWalk.com But you can listen to us on SoundCloud You can listen to us on Apple Podcast Google Play And Stitcher Yep Since you were so hyped You want to tell them about where they can donate? No, you can do it. You always do it. Do I? Mm-hmm. You don't want to switch it up? No. All no, right. Because you say sustainers, and I can't do that. You, you just did. <laughs> anyway, you can uh, donate, and like Money was saying, you can become a sustainer of the program slash podcast. See, by becoming, better when you say it. By becoming a patron. So you can go to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Queer Rock Pod. And you can choose what level um, you want to sustain the podcast at. I wasn't going to say program, but money tends to get on me about that. Hmm. Or you can go ahead, drop off us some of that tax refund when it comes (laughs) at paypal.me slash QueerWalk. And if you need an incentive to hit up the PayPal at QueerWalk, um, we will be live at South by Southwest. Live. If you, for whatever reason, you're listening to this episode and you ain't catch the end of the last episode, first of all, go back and listen to the last episode. Um, but yeah, if you caught that announcement, we will be doing a live show at live South by show. Southwest with special guest host T, T with, with Queen, Queen and Jay. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> <Ew>. <laughs> and 
Uh, we that's basically across the country for us. I was just about to say we going from the top of the map to, to the, the bottom. bottom. Of the map. Yes, um, you know we need we, every penny we can get. Really, we're like two hours from the Canadian border, and we basically going two hours from the, the Mexican, Mexican border. border. Yeah. <laughs> so if you would like to support us and help us with that endeavor, drop some coins off in the PayPal. Uh, yeah, and so I'm I'm just going to do this right now. So more information about us being at South by Southwest. So we're going to be there from March 10th through the 14th. So if you can't make it to South by Southwest, we know it is uh, incredibly expensive. Even the day passes are inc- incredibly expensive. Hit us up so that we can connect with you outside of that. So if you don't have a pass, we, we're still going to be around yeah. for like almost, almost five days. So hit us up if you're in the Austin area. We're also going to be having a meetup on March 13th after work hours because we also know our um, panel... It's March 12th at 9.30. If you are trying to slide through, it's March 12th at 9.30. All the information will be in the description. But um, about as far as the meetup, make sure you're following us on Twitter or Instagram to get like up-to-the-minute updates from us uh, as to where we, where we will be in Austin. So you can meet your favorite lesbos and... Are you going to do that that <laughs> popping when we meet our listeners? I'm just glad this isn't a, a visual program because I I do a lot of ass jiggling. Yeah, so I, much. <laughs> I just, you know, don't want people to get the wrong impression. Or the right impression. <laughs> that, that too. <laughs> but let's not forget, give us your monies <laughs> so we can get from the top of the map to the bottom of the map. And our hashtag that we're using for South by Southwest is Potting Live SXSW, which is the South by Southwest. All right. So it's kind of weird because we're bi weekly, and I always feel like so much time has passed in between each episode, but it's really not. Um, It's only two weeks, but we are halfway Black History Month. Halfway. It feels like it only just, just begun. Started. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I was about to sing that Carpenter song. We've only just begun. Yeah, I don't need you to sing any more black songs that I don't know. That's not a black one, so it's okay if you don't oh, okay. Because I really got flamed for not knowing In that Vogue? escape. Oh, oh, oh. yikes. <laughs> oh, I thought it was talking. escape. Okay. Oh, God. Please stop. Please stop. Please stop. <laughs> This would be the one episode that an uh, In Vogue member listened to, too, and they'd be like, Escape! <laughs> Candy wishes! <laughs> Those bitches could never harmonize like we do. <sighs> oh, my God. Okay. So, for this week's Queer Walk of the Week, I just wanted to do um, a few, I think I have like four or five, history-making black queer baddies. Yeah. So, we're going to highlight some of those. Um... Um, but I wanted to start with June Jordan. Oh, my God. I know. Born in Harlem. Raised in Bed-Stuy. I was like, of course she is from Bed-Stuy because that's where all the lesbians are. <laughs> <laughs> the baddies. Um, <laughs> June Jordan is, I mean, where to start? She's a poet, activist, author, um, speaker. Anything else you could add? Well... Alexis Pauline Gums just wrote uh, this thing talking about how, like, June Jordan... Oh, she was uh, a professor? Not just a professor, but also um, 
like she has this like really interesting way of conceiving June jo- June Jordan as like an architect, mm. and so like she was like really interested in like the social and like built like environment and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So she basically just did everything. She really did, and to have like a a critique like that, like a transnational yeah. to see to see the problems that black queer women were facing here as like tied to the problems that black queer women were facing in Namibia or. Um, like in India or yeah. in other places. She was just bomb as fuck. And I love her poetry. If you get a chance, look up um, a poem about my rights. Yeah. It was a poem that basically sustained me during the sit-in. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I read it a few times during the sit-in. But, um, but related to Queer Rock, I wanted to read one of my favorite quotes by her um, on bisexuality. Oh, yeah, read June it. Jordan. Oh, okay. I thought you was about to say no. No. Oh. Why, why would I shut you down? And more importantly, why would I silence An June Jordan? I was about to you say. You got me 17 different okay. kinds of fucked up. <laughs> okay. Um, bisexuality means I am free and I am as likely to want to love a woman as I am likely to want to love a man. And what about that? Isn't that what freedom implies? Ooh, yes. So shout out to all the bisexuals out there. You know, we like to affirm y'all and hold y'all down here because if don't nobody else got you, we got got you. So, and the ancestor, June Jordan, I should. Okay, next up is Monica Roberts. So, um, I was listening to uh, Marsha's Plate the other day. I can't remember which episode, but they were talking about Monica Roberts. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe... I've never done Monica as a Queer Walk of the Week because I met her at my very first Creating Change uh, conference. And we had just talked about Creating Change. Right, right, right. And I'm like, she was on that panel fucking them up. They did not, they did, like, when I tell you it was no response because, you know, they do things in, I've, it was like a black queer panel. And I think that's what it was, uh-huh. basically like black people who are queer. But they had like absolutely... It was patriarchal, basically. So they had all these black gay men, um, and they had like one trans dude on the panel talking about like um, their experiences. But mostly, they were talking about access into like white spaces. No shade to them, but that's sure. that's really what it felt like. And she was the only one talking about like community issues, yeah, erasure from like mainstream media sources. And so that's why I'm like, oh my god, yes. How did I forget Monica Roberts? So. She is the founder um, and a writer of the Trans Griot. Trans Griot, yes. yes. And so this is very near and dear to my heart because Monica was one of the only people who wrote about Letitia Green, who um, was a native of Syracuse, who was murdered by a man who was, quote unquote, shocked that she was sure. trans, right? And so in looking in moving to Syracuse um, and looking for, I guess, like the queer history of it, Monica's piece on Letitia was one of the yeah. only pieces I could find. And I guess I should say that he also didn't get... Letitia, much like many black trans women, didn't see justice, um, in my opinion. And Monica followed that story, right? Yeah. From beginning to yeah. end. One of the only um, publications to do so. So... Thank you, Monica. Badass bitch. <laughs> Queer walk. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. And the second is Fallon Fox. This is, oh, she's the third. My bad. So Fallon Fox, for those of you who don't know, is the first black trans MMA fighter to be out about being trans. I have a picture with both her and Monica Roberts. And 
I just think that that makes me legendary. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, don't try me. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So uh, I wanted to shout her out during this Black History Month because she not only makes history as being the first um, out uh, trans black MMA fighter, but she just got inducted into the MMA Hall of Fame. Or maybe. Oh, shit. Yes. Bitch. Yes. (laughs) A black. Trans woman, bitch. Like, yeah. Just out here fucking it. Right. 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 And if she's an MMA fighter, you, she, you talk she, too much. She, she really will fuck, fuck you up. up. <laughs> That's exciting. Yes. Um, just epic and legendary. And so, I don't know. I just... The scrutiny that already comes with being an athlete. Yeah. And like on your body. Sure. And then to be out about being trans and to be talking about that. Like, that's amazing. So. um, Okay. And so, the next... Um, I guess queer walk history baddie that I'm gonna highlight is a throw throwback, like a uh, ancestor ancestor. Right, right, right. Uh, <laughs> and that's abolitionist and poet Francis E. W. Harper. So, bitch, <laughs> when I tell y'all that Francis Harper, um, this is like the 1800s, right? She's getting essays, poems, um, short stories published as a as a black queer woman in the 1800s. Um, and she, so she became known as the mother of black journalism. Uh, and she always blurred the line between like lesbianism and bisexuality. So mm-hmm. this is, this is way before we started having these like terms sure, around sure, sure. Um, sexuality as fluid. She was, and, and talking about this, talking about um, queerness, which of course that's not what it was called then, but like women loving women as uh, an abolitionist thing, like wow. yeah, like resistance to enslavement, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> this is I don't know. She was amazing when I when I looked her up. I got um, most of this information from an auto straddle um, list that they did, like 25 yeah. Black history queer women. Um, amazing. Um, she was also one of the founding members of the National Association for Colored Women and actively helped. Black folks escape slavery. Oh, shit. Yeah. And she published her first full-length book at the age of 67. Man, that's and exactly so, the kind of motivation I fucking exactly, need. Exactly. Because I remember we got a question once. I don't know if you remember. Like, is it ever too late? Yeah. To, I guess, like, live your queerness sure. or recognize that you are queer? No. Oh, my God. That is amazing. Yeah. Daddy. So, I mean, we love Harriet. We talk about Harriet sure, Tubman. Sure, sure, But, um, I mean, I like to think about Frances as, like, the queer version of that. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> I was about to say something real nasty, but I don't want the ancestors to have no problems with me. I want to sleep peacefully tonight, so I won't say it. I'm sure some of the ancestors were a little bit nasty. I mean, I'm I'm sure her and Harriet crossed paths. That's all. I'm oh, just going to leave it there. All right. I guess the <laughs> listeners can connect the dots. All right, up next, I wanted to give a huge shout-out um, in this que- Queer Walk history baddies uh, to Tracy Africa Norman. So you you already knew Tracy Africa before I even mm-hmm. started talking. Do you want to share what you knew about her? No. Why? I just remember that she was a model. Yes. And she there was like a spread in Essence. Yes. And they like outed her. Yeah, well, the, yes, that too. The outer... So that's the, those those were like the main things that I remember. Okay, so before um, Essence outed her, she was um, a ballroom legend, girl, <laughs> legendary. Yes, she got her tens. Um, 
And she was an uh, international like modeling icon. She was uh, in the Italian Vogue issues in the 70s. Um, she walked countless runways. She had a, um, a, con- a modeling contract with Avon. So, you know, basically like a household face. Because, yeah. bitch, Avon, that's right. like accessible shit. Sure. Like everybody knows you. Um, oh, she also had like a contract with Clairol, like the hair, oh the hair products. Yes, was everywhere. And so, yeah, Essence magazine outed her as a trans woman. But you know, you can't, you can't um, take away greatness. So she had already at that time uh, achieved incredible feats as uh, a model, um, and continued to do so after being outed. So. Um, yeah, she moved to Paris, which most of the queer greats do. Right. <laughs> she probably was hanging out with James Baldwin. <laughs> um, yeah, but she moved to Paris and continued her modeling career. Right. And um, w- and so I guess what caused her to resurface for me in my sort of black queer orbit this Black History Month is that Janet Mock often talks about her as a possibility model. Uh, like So finding out that she was a trans woman and being sure. and seeing herself. And so, yeah, well, I mean, while we shouting them out, shout out to Janet too. Always. But yeah. Uh, Tracy Africa Norman as a trans trailblazer. Ow, ow. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Last... But not least, Mother Audrey Lord. I really wanted to do Audrey because I don't think we've ever given a lot of space to sure. explaining who she is and why she is so important to both of us. That so much so that we named our highest tier on our Patreon Lord as at her namesake. So right. um come on, Nikita. No, talk you no, no, no. No. Because I don't ran through all of these baddies. I want you to talk about, like, why Audrey Lord is specifically so important to you. Oh, wow. You're putting me on the spot. Mm-hmm. She's great. I mean, I feel like she has that one, that really amazing piece. Um, I think it was a speech that she read, um, the transformation of language, mm-hmm. the transformation of silence into language and action. Is that it? Okay. That's just a really great piece. You know, she just talks about, and I feel like she really captures, uh, she really captured something for me. Like, I feel like I ran across that essay when I first, you know, was finding out about feminism. And there's all these ways that you realize that you've, that you either hold your tongue or that you've held your tongue and that you just kind of let things Mm -hmm. like chip away and like eat at you. And so she's basically, you know, in that essay, I haven't read it in a long time or Mm -hmm. in that speech, you know, she's basically saying that, um... You, you basically can't, you know, submit to, mm-hmm. you know, silence, you know, that, you know, that oppressive society mm-hmm. is trying to, like, shove you into. And so I know when I was in, you know, uh, graduate school, like, I was in a really horrific program. And like I remember mm-hmm. reading that and um, it I feel like it made me realize that it was one of the things that helped me realize that, like, the problems that were um rife where within that program were the problems of the program mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. not into not myself. yours yeah not problems of myself my um advisor uh dr carter who's just great um like she would even um she's got like this total like black mama vibe where she would be like you go read that she's like what would yeah, audrey yeah. lord tell right. you yes. so you just gonna sit in here and suffer in mm-hmm. silence and i'm like all right mm-hmm. um so that's i mean that's that's one of the things that's really great um, mm-hmm. about Audre Lorde. And then 
also, um, there's, um, just kind of the, like, she wasn't afraid to, like, push back, mm-hmm. you know, against the lack of, like, deep kind of analysis of, like, race, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, you know, within, like, the, the women's liberation movement, mm-hmm. um, so she was really good at that. Also really good at, um, like, I just reread parts of, like, the Compahee River Collective statement the other day. And so th- there was this really uh, great statement um, in there that I feel like captures, like, what, you know, Audre Lorde and so many other, like, black lesbian or black queer feminists um, have done. They were like, not only are we in the struggle with black men about mm-hmm. racism, she was like, but we also struggle with black men about right. other forms of oppression. Like misogyny, yeah. Right. And so just thinking about, um, I, I just, something about that, like, is really great. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are push struggling with people and struggling about, you know, people in our communities about issues. Like, I think that she was really um, apt She's you know, like doing that. Yeah. Like that's what coalition is. Right, right, yeah. right. She was she she wrote that. And um I think for me, the first thing uh about Audrey Lord that so all of my heroes, I would say, like in this sort of journey to learning about womanism, feminism, they all cited her. Yeah. Like everybody was talking about Audrey Lord. And so I'm like, who is this? Bad bitch that everybody keeps talking about. Like, I mean, from everybody, from Minnie Bruce Pratt yeah. to, you know, um, like, Himacut. Like, everybody was talking about sure. Audre Lorde. And I'm like, okay, well, I clearly need to know who this is. And the first thing I found in looking up Audre Lorde, which I'm glad because some of her things can be, like, really hard to read. But um, the first thing I read was A Litany for Survival. Mm. And at that time, I was also in a very toxic program. Um, and I actually printed it out on like bright ass yellow paper and yeah. hung it over my desk and so every time somebody walked up to my desk they they were forced to see a litany for survival sure. right and like that line that repeats in that poem is like we were not meant to survive yeah and it's it's again about silence right so it's, it's better to speak knowing we were not meant to survive right so it's like are you going it's kind of like the the zora neale hurston um quote like they're gonna kill you and say you liked it right, if you right, don't right. talk about it and then two other things about Audre Lorde that just, um, she will always be in my heart. So everybody who knows me know I'm angry. Oh my God. <laughs> and yeah. the uses of anger. Yeah. I, when I tell, and it's short, it's like six pages. Yeah. But when I tell you I cried because that was, it was what I had been trying to say about we, I feel like we dehumanize ourselves as black folks and particularly as black women right. when we don't when we don't use our anger right, right, and don't right. acknowledge our anger. Like we're supposed to have anger. We're humans. Like <laughs> that's a human experience. Um, and so I love that essay. And poetry is not a luxury. That piece, my God, that's what I like about. <laughs> this is petty, but I love the masterful shade that she throws. Because, um, you know, this this white lady publishes this piece about how poetry is when you lock yourself away in your room and retire with your right. your pen and your notebook. And then Audrey comes <laughs> with the shady drag. <laughs> and it's just like, um, some of us don't have rooms, notebooks, or pens, but we still poets, right, bitch. Right, right. Like, <laughs> you know, and I just, it felt like all of her writing was like that. Also, not ignoring 
not just her writing, but her speeches, like you were talking about yeah. her public speeches, um, the debates that she had with folks around, with black folks yeah. around, like, including queerness and, um, like, a gender critique in their work. So, mm, mm, mm. Um, Caribbean background, but right. New York, but born she, in Harlem. You know and, what, and, that's, but that is important, though, the fact that she was born in the Caribbean, because I feel mm. like that sometimes we forget about that. And, you know, we are... Uh, you know, when we talk about, you know, black folks, we are, we say black specifically because we are talking about the diaspora. Right, right. So that, that always feels important um, yeah. to point out. But just going back to that, um, like your point about anger, I just thought about, like, she has this uh, poem about, it's called Power. And like, it's just, it's such, so I, anytime, unfortunately, anytime like a, a black person is killed by the police, like I always go back and read this poem power you could just like it's just like I, like the anger in the in the poem yes. like the righteous mm-hmm. anger in the poem is so palpable yeah and so like that's just really one of my um like she just really has a way of like like tapping yeah. into that mm-hmm. letting you know that you can like tap into your yes. anger as well so yeah i feel like she screams on paper and you can feel it and it just like it gives you permission to scream yeah. because you should, like, like Salon said, you got a lot to be mad about. Like, why would you not be screaming? So, Indeed. yeah. Um, and she also wrote about nasty stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Queer Walk would be remiss if we didn't mention that. Yeah. So, shout out to Mother Lord. Indeed. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Ooh. All right. That's it, bitch. Um, <laughs> Damn Community contributors <laughs> Damn <laughs> Alright For community contributors We got Y'all Again I keep saying it But y'all just really be deep off In the Gmail inbox Deep off in? That sounds nasty They do They be deep off in it I want somebody to be deep off in uh, my inbox Okay Alright <laughs> Let's put that in the draft folder So we can Okay, I'm so glad this is not a visual program because Montanique is doing extremely disgusting things. I feel vaguely. Um, so who was deep off in the uh, inbox? All right. First, so we got an email from Crystal. Mm-hmm. And um, she said that she just wanted to share some coverage of the Creating Change Conference. And so she did um, a little uh, a short piece. Um, I think she's a journalism student. And she did a piece um, about creating change the year when Jesse Hernandez uh, yes. was murdered. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't think we said Jesse's name yeah. last time, but so shout out to Crystal for sharing this um, piece okay. with us. If we can provide a, um, a, link. a link to it in the show notes. And she says, you know, it was tough because it sucks that folks have to storm the stage to be heard. But at the same time, I would have otherwise not known about the story. Uh, but just wanted to share. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like Crystal really just nails it here because it's like, because, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, well, why are these people causing problems? Why mm-hmm. are they, you know, that's what organizing, that's what collective action does. does you know, I'm, right. you know I'm, a, um, I'm a broken record on that point. But, you know, people do collective, you know, action and protest because, it, like, it actually works. Right. Like, like Crystal said, we would not have known about this otherwise. Yeah, and I was actually there. Right, right, when, right, yeah, right. I think I don't know if I was talking. To, I talked about this when you talked about creating change, but yeah, um, I was at that, and so I heard Nikita listening to the video, and I was like, I was there, I was there. <laughs> so 
Yeah. You said it to me like I was a grandchild. You know I was there. I think when that happened. <laughs> I you know, I imagine myself being that person. I, I want to reproduce if for no other reason than to tell my children, you know, your mama was there. Right, right, right. <laughs> when that shit popped off. So shout out to Crystal and yeah. we'll put the link in the um description. Thank you. And we also got a very sweet letter from Alana. And Alana says, uh, thanks so much. I'm one of your listeners and supporters. Yep, just wanted to take a moment and truly thank you all for the work you put into the podcast. I'm sure it's a labor of love. I started Sometimes. searching. Nikita always makes us late. Okay, I started searching for more <laughs> black queer uh, podcasts to listen to. And Queer Walk was one of the first I happened upon. The podcast is informative, relaxing, affirming. And other times it makes me enraged and ready to cry. This virtual community feels like a place where I can sling off my heels, unbelt my dress, pull off this lace front, pull, pull pour a glass of whiskey, and vibe with other like-minded hearts. Girl, you better pull that lace front okay? off. Come on, girl. Alana's not fucking around. Um, this is my favorite part. I specifically wanted to thank you for taking the time to expand the conversation into potentially new territories for the listener squad. And also for being willing to be vulnerable and learn and teach on air. I like listener squad. Listen, so, but listen to this. That's a tender and delicate process. And it's so kind of you to share it with us. I know I've been unfamiliar with some of the topics that have been discussed. And I'm thankful to know more than when I started. Y'all are just so bad. And the energy between you both is such a beautiful reflection of queer women relationships. Aww. So. I can't stand Nikita. Oh, but it's nice that people think we like each other. <laughs> one day, one day I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to share my story on the abuse that I suffer Don't at the spread hands those of money. <laughs> and Alana also also wish, wishes us congrats on going to South by Southwest. Yes, thank you, Alana. Thank you so much. And we also got a letter from uh, is it Aisha? Yeah. Okay. Ooh. It's, that's I, like a classic. I was about to say my name. black woman car was finna be for revoked. real. You don't know Aisha. Okay, that's please like, stop. Aisha, you don't know in Vogue. Okay, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> anyway, Aisha says hi, money and Nikita. First, I want to say I love the podcast. I just found it two weeks ago, but I've listened to most of the episodes while at work. You guys also put me on to some other cool podcasts like Tea with Queen and Jay and Vagistine. Hey! Yes, Shut Vanessa! Up. Yes! <laughs> Hearing you all articulate the things that I've been thinking and couldn't find the words to express has been refreshing. I really want to thank Money. Hearing about your academic success success has given me the push to go for my MSW. Come on, black therapist. Yes! <laughs> I did my best. Oh, BA. I don't know if she's black. <laughs> Wait, she gotta be. Her name Aisha. <laughs> or she's some probably some at least a woman of color. Yeah. I did my <laughs> BA in psychology with the end goal of becoming a clinical social worker, but I got discouraged. Mm -hmm. Listening to your mental moments with money. Uh, listening to your mental moments with money made me want to seek therapy again. And from there, I realized that I didn't see as many black women therapists as I thought I would or should. Mm -hmm. After that, they I decided... They don't want us to heal. <laughs> Hold it in. After that, I decided that it's time for me to get my MSW. Oh, my God. Look at you, oh bitch. You are changing lives. Changing the trajectory of listeners' lives. I can't believe it. Because, like... This shit is so hard. And that is to, so beautiful. 
mean, I read this, but it's just different. You know, like. Well, let's well, let's move on to my shine. Okay, thank you. And Aisha continues to say, and Nikita, girl, thank you for putting me on to socialism. I was a proud Democrat before listening to the podcast, and then I got to reading. So thank you. Sorry for this being long, so long, but you guys are great. And in this short time, made a difference in my life. She finna get her MSW, and she said, fuck the Democrats. What more could you ask for? This is like a socialist social worker. Our job is done. That's it. We We can retire. Wrap it up, then. (laughs) So that was amazing. Yeah, that's great. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited. I know. Because money has tears in her eyes. It's so cute. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk about my woes in academia one day and my um, my successes. But, woof. That's, that, that is beautiful. If you ever need just like continued support um, to rant to somebody, somebody to tell you, girl, you're not tripping, hit me up because. It can be rough um, becoming a therapist as a black woman. So I'm definitely here for you. Community, that's what we're about. Hey, that's a, that's all that. That's exactly what we're about. So uh, really, shout out to that. That was so uh, that was so wonderful, so beautiful. And, th- that, and again, oh, I just get so pleased when people just send. I just love, you know, the, our listener engagement. Yeah. It's, just, it's just top notch. It's family. We family. All righty. So... Man, what a tough act to follow. We got four new patrons. Why are you just... Okay, this your segment. No, go ahead. ahead. You just you already had, went ahead and stole the thunder. No, I'm excited. Because, Great. Okay, go. No, go ahead. Read them. Since I take such extensive notes. No, go ahead. No, you. All right, so we have four new patrons that we need to shout out. And the first is Raul. Ah! My baby. Hi, Raul. Hey. Yeah. Raul has supported us from the beginning. And... This is like a throwback to the days where Fusion was family. Oh my god! And Shout out like, to Fusion. Yes, and just like kept me at SU, kept yeah. me going. Um, it's uh, I almost met you there. I met you before the first oh, Fusion. Yeah, yeah, and so I know our friendship definitely grew there. Yeah, definitely. So just yeah. thank Shout you, Raul. Out. Yeah, thank you Love so much, you so Raul. Much. Um, we got Sophia. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you. Mary Mar? I think it's Marimar. Marimar. That's it, right? I don't know. Did you? I'm so sorry if I fucked up your name. But shout out for the M because you know I'm down with the alliteration. Okay. Yes. Thank you <laughs> for becoming a new patron. And Jennifer, last but not least. So thanks, Thank you, everybody. Jennifer. And it's like y'all been doing all this lovely, amazing, amazing deep engagement with us on... Um, um, email and we love it, but don't be forgetting to leave us uh, ratings and reviews yes. on iTunes or SoundCloud because yeah. I mean I was talking to Nikita the other day and I feel like SoundCloud be stay winning and if we could <laughs> if we could beat out the iTunes people no. I, it would just okay. prove further prove that Apple is not a superior product it is okay. just a different type of lifestyle and <laughs> a whole ass <laughs> lifestyle. Yes. And so, if you want to hold us down on the SoundCloud front, too, that's also welcome. That's great. But also, don't forget to leave us a review or rating on iTunes. All right. You're canceled. No, you're canceled. 
Moving on along to my segment. Go ahead. To the segment that's out here literally changing the course of motherfuckers' lives. <laughs> sure. The mental moment with money. I thought you had a jingle. What are you talking about? For the mental moment? Love. You make my love come down. You make it come on the wing down. Oh, you make my love come down. See, I had you on that one. <laughs> okay. Shout out to Evelyn Champagne. Yes. <laughs> you know I got that on vinyl. Okay. <laughs> um. So before I go into my mental moment, can I take a, a minute to celebrate an accomplishment since the last episode? Of course. Okay. Because it's related. Because y'all yeah, know I'm a therapist. Uh, you know, I be therapizing and shit. <laughs> well, um, as Janicia likes to call me, I'm also an almost doctor. So <laughs> since, <laughs> since the last episode, I successfully defended the first three chapters ah, of ah, my dissertation. Ah, ah, fuck it up. Fuck it up. Fuck it up. Fuck yeah. it up. Fuck it up. And what that means is... Right, right, right. What it mean, though? <laughs> it means that... So, um... I'm in the process of getting my PhD in marriage and family therapy, and I am three-fourths of the way done. 75%. Right. So classes, check. Um, comprehensive exams, check. Dissertation proposal, check. check. So all I have left to do is interview six queer women of color couples. Yeah. Oh, I guess, can I talk just real yes. quick? Because, okay. you know, I feel like, damn, why I be placing limits on myself? And this Call is for participants. Ah. <laughs> so, yeah, sure, this can be taken as a call for participants. But I just be wanting y'all to know what I be doing and shit. So, um, when I'm not on the mic, which is why this podcast is bi-weekly, mm-hmm. I be trying to get a PhD. So... My dissertation is on the experiences of queer women of color who are in intimate relationships while engaging in some form of political activism. Mm. So, yeah, I am aiming to interview queer white couples. And um, here's the thing, right? So, y'all know we gender inclusive over here. But research institutional boards, they ain't there yet. Bitch, I'm trying. Um, (laughs) And so I have to word things in a certain way to get them approved by the IRB which is the research board that basically tells me I can do the research. Right. Um, but as y'all know, I'm gender inclusive. So if if you think you are interested or like, bitch, we want to talk to you about our experiences uh, maintaining a relationship and being politically active, um, and one of you identifies as non-binary, that's cool. That's cool. It's the, it's the, same, it's the, the same boundaries I put around the word woman or gender over here is the same I do in my work. So basically, as long as you don't use he, him, or identify as a man, then you can participate in my shit, right? Participate, call, or yeah. participate. So um, I guess I'll put more info for that in the description box, too. But that's all I have left to do, y'all, um, to get my PhD. So, yeah. So I just wanted to share that accomplishment because it's been a long, hard road oh getting God. here. And I haven't really celebrated the fact that I've passed my proposal defense. So... You, yeah, you. I I'm like, celebrating with y'all right I now. I feel like I was more hyped about it than you were. Yeah, I, it felt, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like, I know it's such a huge thing, right? I, or but, I feel like you're just kind of at the point. It's like, when you're done, done, yeah. I feel like that's when you're going to be like. When I'm done, just yeah. I just hope nobody takes pictures and posts, posts them online because. Oh, I'll be right there. 
Queer walk exclusives. <laughs> um, when a bitch got doctor in front of her name, oh, oh, it's it's over for you hoes. No, I'm joking. Oh my god, I feel like we're gonna be at the coffee shop. So like how that white bitch was out there coming to Keto. You just gonna be like, they just gonna be doctor money. Yes, from here on out. Mm-hmm. I will. <laughs> Um, so yeah, um, and, and that's really exciting because it is a segue into my mental moment for today because I want to talk more about love. Um, but yeah, so you know, my my clinical work, my research work is about love. And also this episode is dropping on the Hallmark holiday that is Valentine's Day. So I wanted to talk about the different types of love. Ooh, break it down, break it down. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times this day only focuses on... Like, um, romantic love, like a partner or something. Uh-huh. Um, but I just wanted to expand it because, uh, I've, I've seen a few listeners and I know me too. <laughs> I've been like feeling, uh, here come another fucking Valentine's, Valentine's <laughs> Day. There ain't no bay in sight. Um, but you don't have to have a bay to celebrate love. So I'm going to talk about the different types of love. And I told Nikita I was going to, um, describe the love triangle, but I don't want y'all to think it's like that kind of triangle. <laughs> you done? I'm done. Come on now. So the theory that I'm going to pull from is Stenberg's love triangle. That it's a nerdy are... therapist diagram. Sure. Thanks. I mean that with love. Sure. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that there are three components to love, and those three components are intimacy, passion, and commitment. Okay, um, and so, yeah, so there's three components to love, right? Intimacy, passion, and commitment. And so, given that, think about love like a triangle. It has three different sides, right? And um, so, when you have all three of those, intimacy, passion, and commitment, it's called consummate love because it has all three. Now, a lot of people talk about this as like some sort of um, like goal to attain, but I'm going to stress that the this theory of love doesn't doesn't mean that one is like a what do you call it like a goal and something else is quote unquote bad they're all equal ways oh, that it. you can love and be loved so it's an so, equilateral triangle is what you're getting at yes Okay, I thought you ain't like geometry. I know a little thing or two. You know, I ain't trying, you know. A squared. No, uh, that's... Each good. each angle is 60 degrees. It's 180 in total. Yeah. All legs of the triangle are equal. Yeah, I was going to do so, the Pythagorean theorem, but that would not be appropriate. No, because it's not a right triangle. Okay, let's move on here. Okay. So, yeah, so I just wanted to stress that, too, because I think a lot of times people hear that there's three components to love and, like, oh, then it must be a goal to have all three components, that each type of love is love, um, and you don't have to aspire to have a different type, and that... Y'all know I'm a relational therapist. Relationships go through cycles. So maybe at one point in time, you might have all three. But then at another point in time, you only have two or one. And that's cool, too. Um, Especially when you're in relationships for a long time, which I can't relate. But, um, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. And so some of the other forms of love that I wanted to talk about. Um, so liking is just when you have intimacy. So it's just that component of love. And I want to talk about this one because that's where friendship falls. 
and that you can have any configuration of these three components and it still be love. Okay. And so what I like about this is that it de-emphasizes rom- the romantic sure. as a, a quote-unquote valid form of love. Uh-huh. And it... I don't want to say legitimizes, but it gives credit to different ways that we yeah. can love people. Like, it ain't all about yeah the passion, romance. Ugh. I feel okay. like it's broadening. Right. Well, Especially on Valentine's Day, when we think about love, we only think about the romantic. And so, I wanted to, like, you know, kick the doors down to that. And this isn't just like the, hey girl type friendship, right? The, the key to this is intimacy. So, um, this is characterized by feeling like bonds with somebody super closeness and warmth mm. but but not this intense passion for sure. them right because if you have passion and intimacy then that's romance it's romantic oh. love so that's another type of love um so we got liking and we got romance right if you just have passion um we i mean us millennials like to call it fuck buddies friends with benefits <laughs> are those really passion though Yes, because in this like theory, passion is um, only okay, the physical. Okay, okay, okay. Right, so, yeah, so if you only have passion, it's infatu- infatuation. Mm. It's infatuous love. And then if you have passion and commitment, so this is maybe a fuck buddy that you've talked about, like, boundaries with. Okay. And, <laughs> um... And have maybe decided to only be exclusive with each other. Mm-hmm. You have some sort of, like, Commitment to this yeah. person. If so, if you have passion and commitment, it's fatuous love. Ooh. So you move from infatuous to just the fatuous. fatuous. <laughs> that sounds so dirty. <laughs> it kind of is. Oh, I guess so. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so you still might not feel like an intense close bond to this person, uh-huh. but you you do have commitment and intimacy and passion. Sorry, no intimacy, commitment and passion. And so then, if you have love with just commitment, this is called empty love. That sounds and awful. I, I know. That's what I'm like, I don't. This is not to pathologize only having commitment with sure. somebody. But it just means that there's no passion or intimacy there. So, if you, so when I think about empty love, I think about the um, married people who are still together after 25 years. Out, just out of that. Just oh, out okay. of, we've been together for so yeah. long. It's comfortable here. Right. Um, so there's there's high levels of commitment to one sure. another, to their kids, to the house, whatever, whatever. But there's maybe not having sex yeah. or they don't, you know, they be stepping out the marriage or going on dates with other people, have have negotiated some kind of other arrangement. Got it. Um, so, yeah. I don't want it to sound bad, like empty love. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wouldn't use that language. <laughs> yeah. But, the, but the, concept, an- the concept is helpful. Yeah. We should call it lemonade love. Oh, you know, you're still yeah. there. Still there. Yeah. Still committed. Okay. <laughs> and so then if you have intimacy and commitment, it's called companionate love. Mm. So you don't have like that burning flames. And I guess, I don't know if I said this at the beginning, but this just because you have one type of love doesn't mean that you can't move and experience other types of love. That's also. what I that, was thinking. Yeah. yeah. That relationships are, they have life cycles just like we yeah. do. And so maybe for the first three years you have like the passionate intimacy, right. well, the, yeah, love. Yeah. But then you go into um, the commitment love or the the companionate love, where it's just about being close to each other and about that commitment. Yeah, um, yeah it, these aren't they're not static. Right, right. Got it. You can move through. It's like 
you're you're actually constantly moving. You might experience two different types of love in the same day. You know, like I said, the the language in the field is real stale and dry and white and boring and hetero. So um, this word always reminds me of like consummating a marriage or yeah, something. Yeah, that's what I, that was my first thought. <sighs> Fuck that shit. It just means that all three parts of love are there. Yeah. So you're intimate with someone. You feel um, commitment commitment with them, and you have like the fire and desire. Of passion. Oh, I was about to say it. You know, fire and desire. I'm not going to sing uh, Tina Marie and Rick James, but let I hope the listeners are just playing that while they um, look at this uh, chart. Okay. So You I'm, were cold oh as God, ice long ago. Sugar, oh sugar, God. sugar. I'm trying to wrap up my segment. <laughs> wrap it up then. <laughs> So, yes, those are the seven different types of love. That was great. I, you know, I tease you, but I fucks with a good diagram, too. It's really helpful mm-hmm. for, like, breaking things down. I don't know if I can put the actual diagram in the show notes, but I will put, like, the different types in there. Okay. So, yeah. Broaden your definitions of love for V-Day. Like, maybe you want to celebrate some of those friendships that you keep devaluing because you don't have a romantic relationship so that's great yeah i think we're going to be spending our valentine's day with some of our friends some of our pals right don't talk to me okay (laughs) because because nikita want to sit up here and act like all right all right yep yep see we're (laughs) we're just gonna hang out with pals we are when you will, will clearly have a bay in the room okay don't do it i'm not doing anything okay even though, you know, your bae is the homie. Exactly. And was the homie before they were your bae. Exactly. Still acting like, and we're just going to be pals. No. <laughs> oh, my You're going to have multiple types of love in that room. Okay. Ooh. All right. So, we're going to move on head into. Not move on head. Yes. <laughs> into Nikita's segment. This week is brought to you by Reparation. Why you you always ruin the intro to your own segment. Either you be late, you say it some funny way. <laughs> Damn. I'm not coordinated. Okay. So, this week's episode is brought to you by Reparations. Reparations. Look how great that was. We have to start doing it like a four count <laughs> so I can get it. <laughs> All right. So, because we are in. Black the illustrious, history. beautiful Black History Month. Yes. It seemed really appropriate to talk about reparations. So, even though we are talking about it, uh, we're going to focus mainly on um, the U.S., you know, Black folks here, but um, there's lots of different movements um, and people across the world and even people within um, the black diaspora that have called for some kind of reparations. And, you know, basically we're calling for some kind of like repair and compensation to like previous egregious um, oppressions and harm. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, you know, after the really atrocious um, decimation and wars that the U.S. wreaked on um, Iraq and Afghanistan, there were groups 
um, here and um, there calling specifically for reparations um, for the folks of Iraq and Afghanistan. And then, you know, we all know that our um, the whole planet is about to be fucked because of uh, climate change and like ecological devastation. So there's been a move by... Um, uh, specifically, you know, what are called um, underdeveloped nations have been calling for climate reparations um, from the from the countries in the global north that are, you know, some people use the term overdeveloped, that create um, the disproportionate amount of the harm caused, um, that cause climate change. So there's like climate reparations. Um, we are going to talk specifically a little bit about um, some contemporary conversations and movements around reparations. She says a little bit, but she got three whole pages, y'all. Okay. <laughs> do I give away your notes? Yes, you do, actually. Talk about my diagrams. Put your little diagram away and let me do my work here. I mean, this is not news to anybody. We know we ain't never got no reparations. Really? First, first and <laughs> foremost. Um, so can you can you explain what you mean by we didn't get reparations? Like, what are reparations? So that's actually, we're going to get into that okay. um, a little bit, but basically, um, it's, so it's not just about um, like the financial compensation. And I think we're going to see that uh, when we talk some more about the contemporary things, and even a little bit with the historical example. But again, some kind of compensation and acknowledgement that a longstanding like systemic injustice had been uh, committed mm-hmm. and had been done. So... I actually had to do a little bit of, um, more than a little, like a lot of digging um, on this topic to try to like, you know, synthesize some of my thoughts and ideas um, around this. So a lot of us have heard of like the 40 acres and a mule. Mm -hmm. And I did, I actually really didn't know like kind of the history of where that came from. So I just want to talk about that a little bit. So this happened um, in uh, like the middle of the 1800s. So right around the end of the um, Civil War. Mm -hmm. So it was a a decree or like a law or an order that was issued by General T. Sherman, and it was called Special Field Field Order Number Fifteen. It was issued on June sixteenth, um, eighteen sixty five, and basically the the idea. So the reason why we get the term forty acres is because it was it was four hundred thousand um, acres of land that was supposed to be redistributed. So it was supposed to be confiscated from the Confederate soldiers in, you know, to um, 40,000 um, formerly enslaved people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we didn't think about that. That's really fucking radical, yeah. right? Confiscating the confiscating the land from those who yeah. had inflicted the harm. Mm-hmm. And um, giving it to those right. who were harmed. And again, yeah. and we've talked about this on some of the past episodes around socialism and neoliberalism, really talking about the importance of re- redistributing like mm-hmm. wealth. Um, but it's important to note that, so... General T. Sherman issues the um, this order, you know, for this really radical redistribution plan, but he he only like issued this after he had a meeting with uh, twenty black leaders um, that were calling for this. So that's that's really important. That it wasn't just something that the government did, you know, out of the kindness like of its heart. This because is black people explicitly said they wanted right, it. right, right, mm-hmm. right. And something that I didn't know that was a second part of this piece was that the land that. Um, these formerly enslaved folks um, that they were going to be given, all of that land was actually, there was a um, 
a stipulation saying that that all of that land had to be self-governed by black folks. So there's this, and so this is what we've talked about. I mean, we, we've talked about this on the show um, before. So tying the economic dis- redistribution and like economic mm-hmm. like autonomy, tying it to like political mm-hmm. autonomy. So it's not just enough to have the land, but you know we need to be able to call the shots right, over right. over what's happening mm-hmm. within that within that region. Unfortunately, in 1865. This the order was unfortunately overturned in 1865. So the land that black folks got ended up going back. The the government took it to away. The going back to the Confederate slave owners. Why? So Andrew Johnson, I guess there was like a lot of backlash from the, you know, the slave owning classes. And so they it, the formerly enslaved people that had the land war, they the government forcibly took it back. Mm-hmm. And you know, black folks were evicted and taken off the land. So that's some shit. Right. Man. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't know that. So this point about you know, recognizing that there was a harm done and that there sh- we should be addressing it. I was actually doing a little bit of reading and something that I think is really interesting that folks have written about um, if we want to try to move into like some of these contemporary like debates and discussions about reparations is like there's actually a shift in how we think about like affirmative action and not even just how we think about it, but how we talk about it. So um, in... 1954 with you know we brown v. we 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 most of us know about um um brown versus board and so within one of the the chief justice warren um had an interesting quote um about why you know desegregation like was important he says and i got this from a really i mean it's a long article from uh, this a fucking amazing, um, I think she's like a scientist, um, like a phys- physicist, just some badass black woman named uh, Shonda Preskin uh, Weinstein. No relation to that fuck, you know. <laughs> but so she has this the really- only Weinstein we acknowledge is oh, Shonda. It's Shonda. Okay, <laughs> but so it's again she has this really amazing long piece about affirmative action. But here's the quote from Chief Justice Warren with regards to Brown versus Board. So he says. Um, Segregation based on race uh, generates feelings of inferiority, um, you know, as to uh, their status, talking about young black students in the community that affects their hearts and minds in a way unlikely to ever be um, undone. Yeah, in a way unlikely to ever be um, undone. So the point that Shonda is making in her um, piece is that within this quote, Chief Justice Warren is recognizing that there's some kind of serious harm. He's specifically talking about like a psychological mm-hmm, harm, mm-hmm. Not, in addition to, you know, the lack of, you know, equity in terms of like mm-hmm. how resources are distributed. So he makes a key point that, again, recognizing that there's some kind of harm done, you know, to black students. And so what she and others have made the point of is that that's not how we tend to talk about, we don't. The way that liberals tend to support, call for support for affirmative action, we've gotten away from that. Now, if you if you think about or you read some kind of piece about affirmative action, they usually say, well, oh, diversity is important. Diversity not only is important, you know, for students of color, but like diversity enhances everyone's learning mm. experience. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, like I said, a lot of people. So have, it's not about repairing. It's like, not. The a, history it's not about that, repairing yeah, yeah. the harm. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, you can see this um, happen within um, um, a case that comes about twenty five years after Brown versus Board. And so, this is um, a huge milestone, and you know court case in terms of affirmative action. And this is the 1978 uh, case, uh, Regents of University of California versus Alan uh, Back, Bake, whatever the fuck his name is. And so he's basically kind of like, um, like, I guess you would say, like a precursor to our, to uh, what's that bra's name? Abigail Fisher. Right? Oh, fuck her. Right? Where so right. he tried to apply to um, the medical school twice mm-hmm. and he didn't get in, you know, a white boy says so he was denied admissions twice. And so instead of thinking that he's just mediocre, sure. He he thinks that it's because of affirmative action. Right. So mm-hmm. this is a this is actually a landmark case because while it upholds affirmative action, it was a case that totally gutted, it struck down any sort of quotas. And think about, and so listen to the language that Justice Powell uses compared to what Chief Justice Mm -hmm. Warren uses. So Chief Justice Powell says, um, the nation's future depends on leaders trained through wide exposure to ideas and mores of students as diverse as as this nation of many peoples. And so you see... Now he's talking about how basically what I read, you know, the subtext is, you know, this is a melting pot. And Mm -hmm. so we need to have all different kinds of students, you know, in this, you know, in schools and institutions of higher learning because we all can benefit from being exposed to different kind of ideas. And quite honestly, that's how we tend to talk about affirmative affirmative action action now, where it's all about. And so, like, I think the piece of like Shonda's article um, like the one of the key points that she's making is she doesn't fuck with diversity because it right. gets away right. from like we've moved away from reparations. Yeah, like understanding the, right. it, that it was a, it was mm-hmm. meant to address a harm of black people being systematically yes. excluded this from institutions of higher education. So much education. sense of around um like being a black student on white campuses and right. the way. Diversity and inclusion offices never function in ways that seem to help. Exactly. <laughs> and it's because of that, right? Like this idea of of diversity is here for all of us and not to undo the damage that exactly. was done because of slavery, because of segregation. I mean, even just think about the... Um just think about the names of these offices. The Office of Multicultural Affairs. Yeah. Right? It's not going to be, you know... None, usually, rarely do these... Um, even the term like justice, yeah, right? They don't, they don't even use, you know, the office, you know, the office of like racial justice. Yeah, like, that's yeah, not yeah. gonna. That's usually not right. gonna exist right. on campus. But it's always about yeah, like diversity, multiculturalism. So, um, I just thought that that was like that's a that's for me mm-hmm. that's a really good like concrete mm-hmm. um, example within. I mean, almost which is I mean that seems that shift. You know, happen in a, I feel like in a relatively like short time, mm-hmm. right? In the way that we just don't think about you know um, these structural changes as part of like addressing harm, um, you know, rather than some like bullshit multicultural like neoliberal garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that this is like reparations is treated as like like some of like some kind of extreme, totally like ridiculous. Absurd, yeah. mm-hmm. um, like pipe dream. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. 
And it's really interesting because uh, there's a congressman named John Conyers. And for the past 25 years, this dude has introduced this bill, H.R. 40. Listen, listen to what the fucking bill calls for. Right. It's, it's about reparations, but it's so fucking timid and mild and it can't even pass the floor. Um, so it's a so this H.R. 40 is just calling for a study into the effects of slavery. Um, it's a study that looks into it just wants to look into the effects of slavery and make some possible recommendations right it's not calling for for any kind of like distribution of funds no kind of material changes but it's just a study and it is not it hasn't made it anywhere (laughs) do you know how mad i am right now like thinking about the bullshit ass studies that get federally funded yeah like the impact of sleep deprivation. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's important. But sure. what the fuck? <laughs> the, um, how does sugar impact health? Like, these things get right. funded. So, again, just a study. Just a study. That's right? it. And, like, nobody, and again, like, not even Democrats will touch this. And, you know, they love to say that, you, you know, for a long time, one of the canards thrown out about the Democratic Party is, like, it just panders to black people. Mm-hmm. Well, where you could pander to my right. black asses, at least get the Do study. Do a study, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But, um, and it's interesting to, again, to keep connecting it to um, modern-day things. If you look at the Movement for Black Lives platform, they actually yes. mention, like, one of the platform planks in their reparations um, platform mentions one of the last planks that they mentioned is finally passing Conyers, yeah. you know, bill that would again just, just implement a study. the study that's some possible. Fucking, that is the bare minimum, right. like literally the least you can the do. The least, right? And so I just want to talk, just briefly, kind of go through the points that Movement for Black Lives lays out and their point about reparations. And I something that we stress all the time on the show that like. I remember like someone said this to me a few years ago and it totally blew my mind because I remember talking to my mom years like when I was real young Mm -hmm. about reparations and she was like oh that's just ridiculous she's like it doesn't make any sense and she was like how they gonna because growing up the only way I ever heard anybody talking about reparations was like some kind of individual check written Mm -hmm. out to black families Mm -hmm. but when someone was like oh no it would be like collective reparations to like right. black communities mm-hmm. like when someone mentioned like the collective part like it totally mm-hmm. fucking blew my mind yeah right um so just some of the things that they've mentioned is full going back to the point about um what we were talking about with higher education so full and free access to high quality like education and they and they mentioned that you know because of the long standing like looting and plundering mm-hmm. of you know like of wealth, you know, from us as like as like property, like this is why black people should be entitled. The second point is to having a a minimum living wage, mm-hmm. you know, income. Um, and this, I thought the third one, I mean, this was really great. Um, reparations in the form of ongoing healing in terms of physical and mental um, trauma, and ensuring like our access over control of food and land and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that's kind of amazing. And the fourth point is also really important. Uh, mandated public school curricula that addresses like the how slavery basically mm-hmm. was so mm-hmm. like integral into like shaping mm-hmm. the 
you know, the foundation and basically like the wealth mm -hmm. of the country. And then they say that along with that, there's also should be some kind of monies going towards like monuments and like memorials that mm -hmm. represent, you know, like the contributions that black people have, you know, made, have made to, to the country. country. Yeah. And so something like I feel like a key part um, about about reparations is the acknowledgement mm -hmm. um, because I mean, that happened, like, a few years ago where, I mean, it was kind of, like, just, like, symbolism without any kind of substance. But there was, like, the, you know, some black folks in Congress was, like, you know, there should be some, the United States should issue some kind of apology for slavery. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's, like, that, but again, by no means does that translate to any kind of material mm -hmm. um resources given to right. black communities but like i feel like that's and a lot of the stuff that you see a lot of the cause you see for reparations that's like a really key point right at least like and you because you can't get you can't even get to the material stuff if if there's not even an acknowledgement that mm -hmm. something was like done wrong mm -hmm. right um and so the last point the last example that I just, I would totally be remiss if I didn't mention is that there's been this nascent movement as we've been um, talking about um, as what the, one of the things that Black Lives Matter, you know, has really brought to the fore, you know, that we all know is the, the epidemic, you know, that is police violence. Mm -hmm. And so one of the, one of the amazing um, organizing victories that I think came from, um, came out of Chicago. And so they have uh, reparations for victims of uh, police violence. And it was specifically oh, yeah. around this horrific commander mm -hmm. of the um, Chicago Police um, Department and all his little, his little horrific underlings. So this commander was named John Burge. And um, so it was him along with his horrific underlings from 1972 <laughs> underlings. to 1991 um, John Burge and these folks were literally torture, torturing black mm -hmm. folks in Chicago. And so I was reading that like the torture included like making people play uh, Russian roulette. Like it was like physical beatings and assault to coerce confessions out of people. And so they did this uh, from 1972 to 1991 over, they did this to about like a hundred different people. Almost 20 years. Yeah. That's a whole generation. And You tortured a whole generation. Exactly. And I remember reading, when I remember reading some of the stuff, like they, so wherever like they were torturing people, there was rumors in the community that people would hear these shrill cries from people coming out of this place. And anytime people in the community tried to say, hey, you know, we hear some like real shrill um, blood curdling screams and cries coming out of this place. People tried to make it seem like they were crazy. Some of those. So they won some really amazing reparations for the victims of John Bur John Burge and his torturous um, little underling underlings. So the first thing that they won was, um, again, public recognition of the torture. And so what they one of the things that they got was making sure that there was a curriculum in place in Chicago public schools um, that would teach what, what John Burge and, you know, 
the folks under him did, and that this curriculum would be mm-hmm. uh, taught to eighth to tenth graders in the Chicago public mm-hmm. schools. Can I can I go do ahead a, a nerdy ass interjection here? Yeah. Um. So I think a lot of times people are like, "Ooh, kids are too young to learn this shit." In the same ways that we learn about the Milgram experiment, experiment or the Zambardo prison experiment, in which these two white psychologists um tortured white students because that's who was on their campuses participating in these studies. We learn about that as as like, oh, this is why we have these requirements right. for research today. Exactly. Like that's how you teach these things to kids. It's like this is why we have these um things in place today because this horrible person did these horrible things. And and I think we um I think I would go as far as to say that it's like ageist for us to to think that like young people shouldn't have access to this knowledge. Right, so. exactly. And and like it's happening to them. Right. Like how how horrific would it be for us to withhold it? Like mm-hmm. they know they mm-hmm. they've like the people that were tortured like by um John Burge, like I'm sure that like people in the community, young folks included, mm-hmm. fucking not only did they know about it back then, but Tamir Rice was twelve right. years old, right? right. Like right. I Iona Jones, mm-hmm. seven years old. Yeah. It's like if black kids and black and brown kids are being ruthlessly, you know, gunned down, mm-hmm. murdered and, you know, treated like prey, then the people who are the targets of this kind of grotesque, barbaric violence, the least we could do it's is tell them, tell them about yeah. their, you know, what's happening to them and their peers. Mm-hmm. Um, also, also have to have some kind of memorials. I think it's to the victims of John Burge because right. uh, there's, um, I think, only like 60 of the 100 um, victims are mm-hmm. still alive. And again, kind of very similar to the movement for Black Lives. Um the reparations included recovery services for victims and their families, again, which includes free tuition to city colleges within um, Chicago, mm-hmm. access to mental health counseling. And I was mm-hmm. skimming something and it said that th- there's no criteria for like going into like mental to utilize the mental health services. So it's, it's for anybody that's been like mm-hmm. affected by police brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, job placement, you know, to make sure that, you know, they can have some kind of economic security. Mm-hmm. And then last, uh, certainly not least, there was a financial fund of $5.5 million, um, That was, um, and uh, out of that $5.5 million, that was going to go to the victims. I think it's the living, either the living victims or all the victims um, of, of the people who were, like, tortured um, by um, John Burge. So that's just kind of some of the... Um, a little bit of the historical kinds of discussions and like the history of reparations and getting into some of the more contemporary um, examples. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have shit to add. Except that I really like that you gave concrete examples of what reparations can look like yeah. for black folks in this country. Like Those are things that we were denied for over 300 yeah. years and that that would... Um, really make significant differences in our lives, especially as black queer folks. Yeah. So just the last thing that I'll say though, is that, um, so, I mean, sometimes like I've been like, we've joked about it. Like I've joked about it before, but I really feel like, especially with, um, like when you, I mean, within all these examples that I've like given actually is like reparations comes from some kind of like institution or some kind of like organization. Mm-hmm. Because I remember I saw, I saw this thing a while ago where someone was saying, you know, talking about white allies and it's like, like some individual like white person donating, you know, to some kind of mm-hmm. movement. That's great. 
you know, unless they're, unless that person was like directly perpetuating some kind of like horrific um, exploitation mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. oppression, like that's not like one individual person. Does you not know, reparations. That, that's not yeah. That's <laughs> not reparations. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's. I think for some uh, social justice folks, you know, they say you know white folks need to donate because that's re- reparations. And it's like actually because like because slavery was so like especially you know it was sanctioned by you know the state and not only was it sanctioned by the state you know we know that there's like masses of there's a lot of like corporations and other mm-hmm, entities mm-hmm. it's like if it's not coming from those entities and if it's not something mm-hmm. that all, like a large swath of black people right. you know can reap the benefits of then i think that we actually cheapen and trivialize what reparations actually is when we're just talking about somebody giving 50 100 dollars mm-hmm. to you know whatever black mm-hmm, person mm-hmm. that's great and we don't knock that and you know give up your money mm-hmm. but that's not that's that's certainly not the same thing as like reparations exactly all right so we are moving on along into the topic and this is a topic that i have been waiting to do Uh, much to my chagrin forever wow and i felt like we had to do it because we're dropping the episode on valentine's day even though nikita didn't want to do it you know i'm a lady this is the episode y'all have been waiting for. The topic that y'all have been waiting for. Have they? Yes. What is it? Toys. Oh, heavens to mess it. Watch <laughs> my pearls. You know. <laughs> We're going to be talking about sex toys. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, that was a shoulder shimmy for, for that the was, that was That was a pelvic thrust. Mm-hmm. A titty pop, that was more than a... I don't even know where to start with this conversation, but I remember that we got a question about um, our favorite sex toys. Oh, right. And safe sex for queer folks with vagines. So, wow. uh, <laughs> so I think I can... I feel like I have to start, because, what, bitch, what do you know about sex toys? That's offensive. What do you know, I I know things. Like... They exist, <laughs> and people use them for pleasure. Um, do you have a favorite sex toy? Not really. I feel like I'm an analog girl. Oh my gosh, what does that mean? You know, I don't know. I, huh. I don't know. If sex toys make um, they're not a part of the the main cast in my uh, sexual life why are you talking like this <laughs> like, just, i don't know <laughs> they're nitty-bitty. so you don't you don't really like toys something i don't like them i don't know my, my world has not been opened up yet to toys mm, okay i feel yeah. like i'm a <laughs> but that was open and i tell a friend sorry i love toys uh, well, pray tell. What are your faves? Um, they are a huge part of my sexual experiences. Um, let's see. I think my favorite toy would have to be um, a double bullet, which is a bullet vibrator. I'm, say, I'm glad you're explaining because I'm like, I, I'm going to have to take notes. <laughs> so a double bullet is a bullet vibrator. You know what a bullet is. It's just yeah. like the little pill shaped yeah, vibrator. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so instead of having one, it's there's two. Oh. And so two you and your partner can use it at the same time. 
at the same damn time. Right. Okay. <laughs> we have to stop yelling out <laughs> random rap lyrics. It bro. makes the show. <laughs> yeah. So that's my favorite toy. Hands down. Absolutely. Or hands free. It's Well, it's not hands free. No. It's hands down. Oh. Because you have to use your hands. Okay. Um... And I I can't remember if I talked about this on the kink episode with Sasha or not, but I have a fascination with condoms. Like I just really like really? condoms. Yes. Like um to kind of tie into the toys and uh safe sex, I think Okay, so off air, me and you have been like, have you ever had safe sex? I don't think so. Are we talking about that? Yes, that that's what I'm saying. Off air, we've talked about that. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have safe sex? Right. I don't have safe sex, but I think I do because I use condoms on my toys. Oh, that's safe. Yeah, I know. No, it's a. I mean, you can't just be sharing toys out sure. here, all willy nilly, especially not penetrative toys. Oh, no okay. way. Yeah, so I use condoms on them, and I love condoms. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Use a condom on your toys. That's safe sex practices. Safe sex. Always clean them. Make sure that they're clean. You don't. The last thing you want is like dusty and dirty. Yeah, that's toys. That's not good at all. Yeah. Um. If if I am cleaning my toys, I'll use. I mean, my go-to cleaner for everything is the Dr. Bronner's. <laughs> that should have probably melted. No, you dilute it. Oh, about to say. Obviously. Oh, about um, to say. Or you can get some water-based toy cleaner. Never oil-based. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the double bullet is my favorite toy. You said you... you. I feel like you have some others. Um. Let's see. Well, the double bullet is my favorite. Um. I had one time, I I think I broke it, but it was this... Oh. Uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't Rode like that. hard and put away broke. No, <laughs> I was moving and it broke. I bet you were the- moving. <laughs> Moving and grooving, shaking and baking. Anyway, um, I I don't know what they call it. I think it's called a rabbit, but it has like beads inside of the like dildo part. Yeah, it has beads in there that that rotate. Oh yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. And then it has a um a vibrator part that stimulates the clip. And I had one of those. I think that was actually my first sex toy. Um. And I used to love that thing. I actually never used it on myself. I only used it on partners. partners. Yeah. Huh. Um, but twas great. Twas lit. <laughs> <laughs> twas clit. <laughs> yeah. Those were the good old days. Um, <laughs> um, okay. And so I'm going to, I guess I'm going to move on to talking about straps and dildos. Oh, yeah. Let's get there. Have you ever used a strap? Yeah. Oh my god. Um, I was so I'm doing this apprenticeship thing, and we have to wear uh, fall protection equipment. And so the other day, I was at the training, and we had to put on a harness, and I was just like, and I was just like giggling. <laughs> you were totally prepared, right? I was like, oh, I was like, I can do this. It was like snip, snap, snip, buckle. <laughs> you got in your harness before all the men. <laughs> harness on so quick um i don't like harnesses i think that they are not um inclusive for fat girls i feel like i'm fat um if, if for those of you who can't see me i'm side-eyeing the key i right am now. 
them. I've got Nikita. these thick, luscious thighs. You keep saying that. You, this you, fatty? You don't have a fatty. Can I can't. Stop I cannot. I can't even. I can't even. I can't even believe that I. I get all this goodness into the harness, but I do. Anyway, I have a whole ass. Okay. And- <laughs> what do I have? A quarter ass. I mean, I wasn't gonna say Shut that. Shut up. Um, and yeah, I just haven't. I haven't found a harness that feels comfortable okay. to wear. I would like to. I've, I feel like I've always had to modify a harness. Uh-huh. Like, either I have to cut a strap or not close a strap right. to put it on. Or just fubu some shit with, like, the the holder. The, par- the holder part, you yeah, know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's yeah. like the ring that actually holds the dildo. Right. And sew that onto some boxers or something. <laughs> That's actually smart. Yeah, because there are harnesses that look like that. Right, right, right. It's right. just, you know, some, like, spanks, basically. Yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, but I've never been able to find any in my size. So if y'all have any um, recommendations... That would be great, yeah. Please some, go ahead and yeah. let us know. Throw it in the hashtag. Throw it in the hashtag. I mean, I like a good strap. Okay, so here's the thing about me. I don't like any flesh-toned toys at all. Yeah, same here. Like, it... It physically makes me, like, vomit. I don't know. It's just, maybe I watched too many horror movies as a kid, but just to see something that looks like a severed body part. A detached, yeah. (laughs) You're ridiculous. (laughs) Like, that creeps me out. It's it's not a turn on. It's creepy to me. (laughs) And so, um, I need all of my toys to be fantasy color. And that includes vibrators and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the, the, um... The metal looking ones, again, I don't metal? know. Metal? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, the vibrators that are like metal colored. Nah, I can't. Oh my. Yeah, they're they're like steel colors. and. Oh, that doesn't sound fun. You've never seen? Yeah. No. They just look, I don't know. They creep me out. It's not a turn on. They need to be fantasy colored. Got so it. I need blues. I need clears. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. need pinks. Um, my preference is purple. Purple, that's me, I yeah. am on the hunt for orange strap. Why? Because or, or, orange is my favorite color. Oh, okay. Yeah. Love them, love them, love them. Love my fantasy colors. Oh, the glittery ones. Oh, wow. That seems yes. like that would be a bit much for me. No. I've seen, uh, like, multicolored ones, like tie-dye. But those are out of my price range. So, <laughs> um, the solid colors are better. But, yeah, I can't do flesh tone. It creeps me out. It makes me think I've chopped up a person and have <laughs> body parts. Lorena Bobbitt on yeah, Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't None know how y'all can do it. Yeah. Um, I know my friend at undergrad, she was obsessed with um, what is his name? Um, Mr. Marcus? That porn, porn star? star? Yeah. And he has a dildo line um, oh. of his, his it's piece. It's too much. Yeah. I just can't do flesh tones. So. Yeah. Ew. So... I'm sure you have not seen this debate because you're not good at Twitter and you've been really busy this last week doing apprenticeship stuff. So, there's a heated debate in the queer women community about replacing toys with new partners. Oh, yeah. You've seen this before. I haven't seen it, but I feel like I know the debate. Yeah, so the debate is if you get a new bae should you buy a new strap? I feel like you you probably should. What? Yeah. Why? What do you mean why? Why should I buy a new strap? 
Why would you not? Um, because it's taken me a good eight months to master using the one that I have. No. I get it. <laughs> That's it? No? No. <laughs> so, okay. I didn't know we were going to be on two separate sides of this. I thought your, you know, socialism redistribution of resources shit was going to be like, we we going to use the same shot. No. <laughs> There's nothing too good for the working class. I also believe in that. What? Yeah, you should. I don't know. I feel like you should change it out. I'm not saying I've always done that, but I feel like you should. I don't know. You just have the all the old whatever with the partner. You got to like usher in a That's new beginning. That's what Sage is for. Mm-mm. Okay, so I, <laughs> I'm, I'm disagreeing with you on this one. Right. And I'm really shocked that we don't agree. Um, because... I, yeah, just that. Like, I think uh, that my my strap that I currently have, I really like it. It's, bo- I mean, we have bonded. I know how to, mm. <laughs> like, I know how to move in order to get it to do what I want it to do. Okay. Uh, and like I said, in relating to safe sex with, like, queer folks with vaginas, um, I use condoms. And I think that should be on, like, any... If you're having penetrative sex with toys. But, like, if I'm using protection on it, and... Fair, okay. I mean, people think... I don't... How do I say this? Like, people think that um, straps are just, like, any old thing. Like, oh, just, like, throw it away. But, But there's a relationship that you have to have with this, like thing that you don't typically have on your body yeah. to get it to respond to the the way that you want it to. Is that I'm, con- I'm convinced. I'm convinced of this point. I yeah. think you have to talk about it with your partner, though. Like, yeah. How do they feel about... I feel like I'm not opposed to getting a new one, but for it to be the rule that new bay, new strap, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Okay. Rid- okay. Ridiculous. Oh, oh. <laughs> Are you done being a 12-year-old right now? Um, Okay, I can see that. I mean, do you really want me fumbling around with something I'm just learning? I think that can be kind of fun. You fumble it around, then you get better, and then it it only gets better from there on out. I'm sure. Stop it. I mean, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Oh, man. We have long-term relationships out here. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. This sounds so weird, but I feel like when I haven't used the strap in a long time, I normally have, I feel like I have to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, it's hard work. God, it's so much work. <laughs> I think that's why I used to like it, because I'm like, this is not a passive activity. This is- oh my God. <laughs> I remember this one time, it was like, oh my God, like the next day I was like, my thighs hurt. <laughs> it feels like, what's that thing called? The thing where you press your, the, 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 abdu- the abductor? The <laughs> That's what it feels like. I'm just like, geez, Louise. Yeah, yeah. It's a workout. It really is. My, um, so I have this little chubby area, like right, you know, the fupa. I think sure. that's what they call it. Them lower abs that you can't really work. Yeah. During like crunches and stuff. Yeah. If I strap, <laughs> them them lower abs are targeted. Okay. Oh my gosh. It is a targeted workout for <laughs> lower abs. <laughs> oh my god! I remember with like. Like, a former partner, I was like, I remember thinking mid-sex, I was like, you got to get back to the gym. (laughs) I was just like, this is a lot. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Whoa. Everybody always asks me about my nails. Like, how am I out here? Yeah. Giving the business with my nails. Um, It can be done. 
condom. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah. Well, first of all, you just, uh, if with the what is this called? Like the whatever of your finger, because you don't have the, to. You don't have to dig the yeah. tip of your fingers. Yeah, you can use the pads, the of pads, your fingertips. Yeah. yeah, um, and get no complaints with having nails, and also the shape. Like I'm not out here with bad bitch stiletto nails. Yeah, because that's a that's a a job hazard. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I'm not trying to kill nobody out wow. here. Um, I, I either do like almond shape or square with the rounded edges okay. and, and condoms. How considerate. Of course. <laughs> that was a lively discussion. <laughs> We're not done, are we? I mean, what else do you have to say about I don't know. Toys. That's all I had. Where do you, how do you go about buying them? It's really difficult to find good toys. Um, I shop online. Toys oh, are expensive. They're that's really a, expensive. That's another thing about throwing away straps. Like, okay, y'all got 80 to $200 to just throw yeah, away. That is so true. I mean, shit. I don't. So, um. Gonna have to do a GoFundMe <laughs> for a strap. Um, I got a lot of my vibrators that I use off of a site called... I won't say their name. They're not paying us. Right. But, yeah, online. And so for for straps, like harnesses and dildos, I feel like I need to see those. Yeah. To, like, you know, like I was talking about fit. You know, I got some... I got a big old butt and some hips, so... Uh, me too. I just... <laughs> 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 Fuck you. Um, no strap. <laughs> So I usually go to um, sex shops, and he, but here's the key. But where? I, Certainly not here in upstate. No. Well, yeah, I've gone to the one on Erie. Oh, don't you don't. delete that? Take that. They don't deserve that kind of business. I find that to be just like a repulsive it, yeah. shop. It's like totally heteronormative. That's the thing. So I'm there's one in. That's what I was about to say. Like, not just any old sex sex toy store. Don't go to a white one. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and go to one that's sex positive or queer. Queer, inclusive. yeah, yeah. Um. So, what was I looking for? I think I was looking for Packers because that's like a good way to see. So, um, what's a Packer? A Packer is um a a dick that, oh, that goes in, into like got underwear it. And oh, stuff got, I got it. I for got trans it. masculine folks. Got it. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes those are carried at like sex toy stores. Uh-huh. Um, so I was thinking, I was trying to remember the name because they deserve the shout out. It's in Charlotte, North Carolina. What? It is a huge queer toy store. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, but I went there once with a girlfriend and it's just gay. And um, at, I don't know if it's completely owned by folks of color, but at least one of the owners was a woman of color and came out and talked to us and was, um, you know, basically talking about, like, what it meant for her to yeah. be partial owner of a queer inclusive store. That's great. Uh, I can't, cannot remember. Um, I feel like I'm blanking right now, but there's also... An episode of Inner Hole Uprising mm. where they talked to a black woman who owned a toy store. Oh, man. And I was trying to remember the name of it. If I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. Show notes. Yeah. Man, the show notes finna be lit on this episode. Yeah. Finna be lit. Um. Licked? 
I don't know. It's late. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, so and why I said I don't go to white toy stores is because fetishization basically. Yeah. Like oh, they have God, the, the so, big, yeah. Yeah, it's really it's horrific. Bad. They every every package has like a skinny white woman on it. Yeah. Um every dildo is like big black cock or like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So That's not the one, like one of the ones here. I'm just like I refuse yeah. to like step foot into. Yeah, and then, then they make you feel like you're some like weird, I don't know, like freak if you're gay because they yeah. have like this little curtain and then <laughs> <laughs> through there it's like all the gay stuff, yeah. like the queer porn and stuff. I'm like, what the hell? Why we got this little creepy ass corner? Yeah, and when the rest of the store is so hetero, so and it's always I know here it's always like um some some like middle aged old white man. Oh yes, working there. I'm like I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not gonna go ask this man for any help <laughs> I don't really on talk to you anything at all. We clearly don't have anything in common. Right. So yeah, yep. So try to find you know like the black toy stores or the folks of color who are doing yeah. business um, or a queer inclusive toy store. That's all I buy or online. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know I've tried to go to places like only like in the city like I've gone mm-hmm. like, with like some exes before. That, that was kind of a fun experience actually. I was just thinking you know I would love to go to a sex toy shop at? Where? Either DC or Philly. Oh my god. Yes. They'd have to probably because... peel me off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's impolite to holler at somebody in a toy store. I think yes. it's a little weird. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, please tell me. Oh God, you haven't done that, have you? Um, next, next segment. Okay. Oh, hopefully not. You're, and you're probably like weird, like the DM. Excuse me. I saw. Um, if you could just tell me the SKU code on that dildo, I would really appreciate it. No. Oh my God, you just. I've never done that. In 2018. I have no. I've never approached somebody in a sex toy store. On the way in. <laughs> They were about to walk into No. The... Okay. Never. Never. So, Nunca. what's your favorite sex toy? Use the hashtag QueerWOC and tell us, hey. I see you like how money tried to cut me off? <laughs> Moving on along. That's, that's going to be a fun, bad DM story. Can we close this segment? Right. <laughs> it's closed. All right. Put the strap on away and close it on up. Can you stop? Okay, now it's time for Curved Chronicles. Curved Chronicles. All right then. Um, so you know, we we did the announcement last time that because Nikita is booed up. That's, that doesn't mean I can't curve people. I get that, but for now. And because and I'm just I saying, not, you know, just cause, just because I'm off the market, don't mean people ain't still trying to shop. But I am very happily committed, though. <laughs> um, shout out to the boo. Yeah. Oh, that was the first time you were mushy about it. All right. I'm so proud of you. Okay, come on now, you making my thug card just dis- disintegrate. <laughs> you never had a thug card. The minute you sang Luther Vandross, you lost that. Oh my God, thugs! <laughs> if there's nobody that loves Luther more than thugs, I tell you that much. That's I'm, false. Everyone, right now, here's a queer walk challenge. Go to your local thug 
And ask, Please don't do that. Why are you putting out listeners in danger? Because they're going to be like, who the fuck? And they're going to be like, oh, Luther. Nigga, I fuck with Luther. No. That's exactly what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. I'm just I feel you. like I have relatives that fall into the category of thug who do not enjoy like Luther. Th- thugs love Luther. Mm-mm. He's timeless. Anyway. Um, and I'm not dating, y'all. I just am not. I've I've told myself that I will never date again in Syracuse. Which is so dramatic. And it's not. Okay. It is not. First of all, where are my options? Where? I feel like that meme of uh, Erica. <laughs> where? Where are they? <laughs> There's no options. Um, and also, I just really am trying to finish this dissertation. Okay, I hear and that. And so, as soon as I pop... This these last two chapters out, then I can consider dating. But all right, well, pop a bone out in. Yeah, yeah. Pop a bone out. <laughs> pop, pop, pop. Yeah, I'm so glad that one of the uh, listeners on SoundCloud was like, technically, you're quoting Quavo, so you can keep right, saying, yeah. it up then. Uh, <laughs> that was it. Well, actually, that I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's Quavo. All so. right, love that we can still use that. Um. So I did, I guess I had like a, a mini rant about about Curved Chronicles. Yeah. It's related to Curved Chronicles. Um, white lesbians with your um, white lesbian haircuts. You, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the long tops and <laughs> the shaved side. Um, all of it flipped to one side. <laughs> Stay away from me. <laughs> I don't know what I am doing to attract you hoes, but uh, I am intensely trying to stop that. Um, she don't want you. I, I, I just very, very don't. And I acknowledge that there might be some incredible white lesbians out there doing some bomb-ass anti-racist work. I just don't want to be a part of that. Um... I think everybody who listens to this knows that my ex was hashtag white bay and that was it. <laughs> That's we'll it. Just, we'll like, just leave it there. We'll just leave it there. We're right there. Um, and, you know, I was talking to one of our friends recently about, like, why, why I wouldn't consider dating um, a white woman again. And... Okay, okay, okay. Here it is. Like I said, you could be incredible, amazing, right? Even some of the foremothers that we um, talked about in the Queer Walk of the Week segment had long, loving relationships with white queer women. However, semicolon, you are a part of a larger network of white people that I just don't want to invite into my life. yeah. And not not at this point. Like I said, I'm probably still healing from some shit from my last relationship, but I just don't need that. I don't. I don't yeah. need that. Yeah. <laughs> and um. And maybe this might be like too deep, but uh, I, it also really um, is striking to me that I told you I went to this party the other day, and like, and they, they, none of them were queer, but like every woman of color in there was partnered with like a white person. Yeah. And when I think about queer folks 
who, who I know, they're like partner with white people. And that's like no shade to y'all. I mean, get your love where you can get it. Like Bell Hook said, you know, who am I to be out here turning down love? But um, it's just, it it's disheartening for me to think that as much as we pour into each other as queer people of color, that we also can't too love each other. Sure, sure, sure. Um, romantically, because, you know, like I talked about the different types of love. Like I would like to have some consummate <laughs> love with a queer woman of, of color. color. Sure. And that's just where I'm at right now in my life. I think it makes sense. That's fine. And I would like you white dykes to give me that space. <laughs> yes. And I don't, I mean, I honestly don't know. Maybe it's the pool. Maybe it's where I'm at. I would I give think, it to that. I think it's, I think a lot of it is where we're at. But there are women of color here who are gay who will not approach me. Like, the hmm. only people who have ever, actually, it's not the space, the space, because this happened even when I was in Alabama. The only people who approach me are queer white women. Why do you think that's the case? Um, I think some of it, see, here I go. I was like, um, let me, let me do this, uh, intersectionality read for a second. I think some of it has to do with like personal space and who thinks they and have who, access to exactly. people. Okay. Like who gets to navigate that? Like who gets, <clears throat> who gets to be like flirty and loud in spaces? Mm-hmm. Like I think that people of color sort of navigate like, mm, let me take up as less space as possible. Sure, sure, sure. I think that's some of it. Um, I I don't know what the rest of it is. <sighs> I I I feel like I need to start walking around with my hat that says "Yep, I'm gay," because maybe that's some of it. That pe- I I mean I don't I don't know who within like a 500 mile radius at this point doesn't, doesn't know that know? I'm gay, sure. but um. Because it's not like these like wh- white women know that I'm gay when they approach me, do they? I'm sure they do. They they know. Yeah. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Or the strap on it. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to bring together the yeah. things. <laughs> I know. Bitch, we was everywhere. We went from uh, <laughs> love to reparations <laughs> to dildos. <laughs> That's what happens when you're a bi-weekly queer woman of color show. Black History Month, Valentine's. This is a roller coaster. (laughs) Roller coaster. It was so funny. Somebody tweeted like, uh, it can get a bit heavy, but it immediately. (laughs) (laughs) For real. The minute you think you're on the verge of tears, we pull it right back out with the straps. (laughs) I'm going to say you experience a different sort of moisture. (laughs) Ew. I'm sweating because you're laughing so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So, that was was just it that I had for Curved Chronicles. So, white lesbians, Mm. please stay away from money. Thank you. (laughs) Nikita, Nikita is such a fool. She insists that this woman <laughs> did a body roll. Let which... me t- no. Let me. T- it was so disrespectful because it's like they come running from near and far. <laughs> so we were at this bar. Beyonce. What is it? What's that song? We be all night drunk, drunk in love. love. Mm-hmm. 
So that came, this woman body rolled across the bar, pushed me out of the way. <laughs> she didn't push you. <laughs> yes, she did. And I know it's, I know that I'm short and people don't see me, but she body rolled her way over to the beat of Drunken Love. And I've met this woman four, on four separate occasions. We've spoken. She knows me. I know her. She body rolls over to money. And it's in a, and we're in a group of other people she knows. Body rolls up to money. Is like, I've never met you before. Proceeds to continue body rolling. She was dancing. We were in a bar. This is now this little cesspit that we're at is not a place that you dance at. It's just not that kind of place. And if and and let me demonstrate to you. Let me set the stage so you can understand how you know people aren't dancing here. Someone played. I kid you not. What is that? Barbie girl played yeah. three times that three night. Times back it's, not a, back. it's not a fucking joint where you're dancing at. <laughs> So a little Miss Body Roll. That's why you got to get it in when you can, when a good song's coming. No, that wasn't what that is. I've never met you before. And then pushes me out the way. She did not push you, but yeah, she got in front of you. What did she say about your outfit? Did she say something about my outfit? She said something about it. And meanwhile, I'm just sitting over there short and invisible. (laughs) Pushed out of the way. Talk about the margins, huh? To my credit... I be dressing. You do. You do. You <laughs> like, be putting together some fly pieces. Especially in Syracuse where everything is like gay. I was about to say gay. <laughs> everything is gay. Gray and drab. Gray, yeah. yeah. And I pop out with the print. You do. You, you do. Know. I always, I'm good for a floral bitch. Well, I that think that's a show. Episode. Yes. It's a program. It's a, it's a program. It's a program. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess just as a review, <laughs> be sure that you're following us on Instagram and Twitter because we will be in the Austin area for South by Southwest. Use the hashtag. Um, use the hashtag. Uh, give us some suggestions for sex toys. <laughs> and uh... reparations are not an imaginary thing that are so far off. They can actually happen. Um, and we deserve... Uh, you know, so uh, the Black Panther so lit hashtag, they were talking about how I saw this quote. I think I posted it on my Facebook, but it was like, um, like telling, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was like telling black stories through uh, movies mm-hmm. is another way of showing that black lives matter mm. and that this is the first big budget black film ever. Shit. I'm like, God damn. Um, and so like even stuff like that. Reparations, like on like big scales, like doing things to impact, having black, black directors, black everything, all black everything. I feel like so. reparations would be expropriating the wealth from Hollywood and giving it to, or allowing black folks to see it for free. Yeah, it's not reparations. How so? I support it, but it's not. It's not a reparation. It's a systemic. No, it's not. How is it not? Giving a whole bunch of that's not like. Changing like the long term, that's not long standing material material change (laughs) or like autonomy or like uh, giving us power to make decisions over our lives. If now, if we got again, if we got there's some kind of like mass transfer of wealth to like the cultural industries within the cultural industries to black people to create and produce the things that we wanted, it's different. Okay, (laughs) I'm just saying. You, we got to think big. All right. You're right. 
So in the meantime, we got. I'm just take, saying, go ahead and see it. We, we got to do it. Two hours worth of wages to go see it. But <laughs> you see it? I mean, shit. Me, that's a whole different topic. The price of these uh, concession treats and tickets. because that's what they actually pay workers out of. All the money for tickets um, goes to the movie. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll get into the political economy of the cultural industries in another And on episode. the next episode, fuck the movie. No. <laughs> and they're like, you know, them bitter bitches told people to not see the movie. That is not what we said. <laughs> that is not what we I'm saying. about to go see uh, Black Panther like at least eight times this weekend. Oh, I'm just going to just sit in the theater. For, I'm going to go. I'm going to probably buy 10 tickets just sitting in that bitch all day long. <laughs> Oh, y'all wait. I'm about to post these outfits to the ground. Oh, gram. yeah. I've, yeah, I'm I've got my outfit. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a haircut pronto. <laughs> All right, y'all. We're going to wrap we this out. up. All right. Bye. Bye.